Amen. Turn, if, you're, turn uh, if you would, in your Bibles to Judges chapter 11. We're going to be in Judges chapter 11 this morning. Um, I've studied for the last week and a half preparing for this morning's message. And yesterday, we were here yesterday to about, I don't know, 2 o'clock, 2.30 or so. And uh, so I left here yesterday and I knew the Lord was not going to let me preach what I'd been preparing to preach for a week and a half. So I'm going to push that back for uh, pro- probably and preach that resurrection Sunday morning. So forgive me this morning. if it, 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 We'll see what God has planned in this, okay? So Judges chapter 11. But I failed to do something before and I want to come back and, and hit this right now. Do we have anyone this morning that's visiting with us? This is your very, very first time to First Baptist Geneva. Anyone at all, very first time here? It seemed, like, it seemed like mostly who I saw were home folk, but I want to make sure that I didn't miss anybody. All right, so it's all home folk. All right. Very good. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, Judges chapter 11. Uh, when I was in high school... I want to tell a story I told a couple weeks ago, and it's not about, I'll just preface it with this, it's not about skinny dipping, okay? So um, I, when I was in high school, I did, a, I did a really stupid thing, and I was riding around one night with a buddy of mine, and, and uh, he, he dipped, he dipped tobacco, and I'd never done that, and, and uh, I thought, well, I wonder, I wonder what that's like. So I asked him, he said, well, try it, it's not a big deal, so I, I, I actually tried a little, a little tobacco that you put in your, in your lip, and you know, I understood. I'm smart enough. I'm smart enough to understand you don't swallow that, you know. But I'm not smart enough to understand that you don't keep that in all that long. So we're riding around, and I'm, I think I'm doing just, well, this is not much to this. Well, it wasn't too long, and uh, I wasn't feeling real good. And, and if, I, if, if, if I could have seen my face, I'm sure it was a nice shade of green. And uh, so I wasn't feeling well. So I told him, you got, you got to pull over. You got to pull over. We were pulling around the loop of Athens and pulled over. And I got really, really sick. And I said, all right, take, take me back to my car. I got in my car, drove home. It's 25 degrees. It's in, the, it's in the winter there. And it's about 25 degrees, 30 degrees. It's cold. Went home. I got, got changed into my shorts, went on the back porch. And I laid on the back porch with nothing but my shorts on. And the world's doing this. And I, and I said, Lord, if you'll let me survive this, I'll never, I'll never do that again. Anybody ever made those kind of promises? Okay. All right. This is one time in my life, I will tell you, that's a promise that I have kept. That there is a promise I have kept. It was, it, it, it was, a, it was a terrible, traumatic experience. Uh, I have no, no, no desire for any of that. I don't even like the smell of that stuff. So... Um, uh, that's, a good, that's a good way to go about that, though. But look, there are a lot of times where I've made promises and I failed to keep those promises. And, uh, you know, I guess the question this morning as I introduce is, is where have the days gone when our word and a handshake and a thing was done? When, when I tell you I'm going to do something or, or we agree to something, we shake hands on it, and, man, it's a done deal. That's the deal. You know, we didn't worry about somebody cheating you. You know, their word was their bond. And I guess the question this morning is this, you know, what has changed? You know, what has changed in this idea of of our word? And the title of the message is this this morning is, what's your word worth? What's your word worth? 
You know, so what's changed? You know, it's, it's not lawyers. We blame lawyers for a lot of things, and, and, and there are a lot of problems that we get from lawyers. But for, for all their problems, this isn't their problem. Um, for if we do what's right, then we don't have need for a lawyer. Amen? Um, not even the politicians. It's not really their fault because, you know, this is one of the few things that can't in some way be blamed on them. Though with politicians, we understand there's two seasons with politicians, right? Y'all know this, right? There's, there's promise season, and then there's excuse season. I mean, that's, that's what we have. We have, we have promise season where they, they'll just promise you the world, and then there's all the excuses about what they didn't do, why they didn't do, what they promised they were going to do. So we know they have the same problem. So what, what has changed? Was it that's changed from, from a time when, even in my lifetime, I felt like if, if someone gave me their word, I could trust them? Until they, until they proved they were untrustworthy, I could trust them. And it doesn't seem to be, that doesn't seem to be the case today. It seems that it's changed. And, and what has changed? You know, I'd say we have. You know, it's not that just, when we talk about culture, what is culture? It's us. It's, it's we live out culture. It's we define culture. Culture is not some arbitrary thing out there that defines us. I mean, it's what we do. It's what we engage in. It's what we participate in. It's the, the, the movings of all the population. But we've changed. Maybe not you and me, but I would guess probably you and me. Um, but people, people, society in general has changed. And, and, and many Christians have changed as well. You know, our handshake and our word are no longer binding in many people's minds, much less in our own minds. You know, it, you know now we, we prenups. So it's all about prenups and contracts. You got to get it in writing. That's what's said. We would, well, you sold something. Did you get a bill? Did you get it in writing? And there was a day where we didn't need those things because it, it was my, my word was my bond. We, we didn't, you know, we, we, we don't trust others because so many have become untrustworthy. Our word should be our bond. And I'll say that for us as the body of Christ gathering here. Uh, I don't expect more from the world. I expect the lost world to act like the lost world. Uh, really what we're dealing with this morning is for us as believers, how should we behave in this? And our word as a believer, our word should be our bond. James 5.12 says, But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, uh, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. And so what we're looking at this morning, when you're talking about your word, you're talking about integrity. We're talking about integrity. And it's a word that's lost uh, you know, its meaning for so many uh, people today in our, in our culture and in this world. And integrity means this. It means the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness. That's integrity. And boy, we're lacking in integrity today in our country. And folks, it's more and more we're lacking in integrity in our churches in this country. There, there doesn't seem to be a difference in a lot of ways in a lot of places from the world to the church. The world has been brought right into the church and then there's no difference. The Holy Spirit of God, if it hasn't already left, could leave and you'd see no difference in that church. I pray to God that's not the case here at First Baptist Geneva. I pray to God that if the Holy Spirit of God left us, we would know there would be a change. We'd fall apart. I mean, it would just fall apart because if the Holy Spirit of God isn't bringing us here and keeping us here together, all we are is just a glorified social club. Amen? I mean, that, that, there's nothing more to that. If we're not, if the Holy Spirit of God isn't here, if we're not brothers and sisters in Christ united in the Holy Spirit of God, then what do we have? We don't have anything. We might as well, we're no different than the Elks Club. 
We're just hanging out to fellowship together because we like each other and we have a common interest. That should not be. It's more than a common interest. It's a common salvation. And we share that. And if we share that, then... But, but it goes back again to integrity. And integrity is lacking in our churches. It's in lacking in, in our own walk. And so the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. I think from that scripture alone, we understand God takes this idea of making a vow, making a promise, making some type of an agreement with him, and and, and that would transfer to, to others. He would have the expectation for us in our behavior with other people as well. Our words should be our bond. If we make a vow to him, we make a promise to him, boy, you better keep it. You better be faithful to that. Again, Matthew 5.37 says basically the same thing as what we just read a moment ago. But let your yes be yes and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. And, you know, we, we hear a lot, man, I swear it. I swear it. I don't, why, why swear it? Why not just let your yes be yes and your no, no? I hear, I hear her say this, and I, I have to catch myself. I'll make sure I don't say this. I had, I had a pastor one time. Every time he heard it, you'll understand in a moment. He'd say, He'd say, well, Raymond, I'm going to tell you the truth. To tell you the truth, and you, my, my thought is, if you're going to tell me the truth now, how often you've been lying to me before? <laughs> and my pastor, he used to say, if somebody said, well, preacher, to tell you the truth, and he'd say, well, well you're going to tell me the truth, right? Well, if you're talking to me, you're going to tell me the truth, right? And he would, I mean, he was pretty adamant in that, but it makes a point that our yes should be yes and our no. No, I don't have to swear by something. I don't have to make some big, big to-do about, well, I swear it, man. I swear it. You can trust me. <laughs> my word ought to be my bond. My yes ought to be yes. And I try to hold to that, folks. I do. And somebody, some, you may have experienced this. You may come up to me and say, hey, preacher, can you do me a favor? Well, what is it? Because I, I like to be a man of my word. And if you come up and say, preacher, can you do me a favor? Well, sure, man. What is it? Anything. Well, I'm going down to rob the bank. And I need, a, I need, a car. I need somebody to drive the getaway car. Well, I'm not going to do that. But I would struggle with, man, I told you I would. I gave you my word. And now I'm going to have to back out on that. So that sounds a little facetious, right? But we excuse it away in other areas as well. And we try, to, we try to overemphasize that. I'm telling the truth now. I might not. Look, our yes ought to be yes, our no, no. We don't have to swear by something. We don't have to go extra in that. We ought to just be people of truth when we speak truth. So let, let's this morning look at a man whose word was gold. And, and I think there's much that we can learn from this man. And we find here in Judges chapter 11 a man named Jephthah. How many of you have heard the name Jephthah? I'm sure those who read through your scriptures, you've read this name before. He's, he's, he, really, we find him right here in, in this. In chapter 11, we're going to hear the story of Jephthah. And it's interesting that in, in chapter 10, if you go back and you read chapter 10, there's two men that we read about there. There's Tola and Jair, and we know very little of these men. We jump over to chapter 12, and we find three men listed there. There's Ibzan, Elon, and, and uh, Abdon. And we know very little of these men. But here in chapter 11, uh, there's quite a bit that we're going to learn from, from this man, Jephthah. And, and so it, it, it's, that's what we're going to look at this morning. 
So why is it that we don't learn a lot from these guys in chapter 10? We don't learn a lot from these guys in chapter 12. But here in chapter 11, we got Jephthah. Why is it that we're going to learn a lot about him? That would be a question we might ask. So why is that? Well, the Bible is not a book about men and what men can do. So when we look at this, we need to understand we're not here to learn about Jephthah and how great Jephthah was and what Jephthah did and Jephthah's strength and Jephthah's power and Jephthah's holiness and Jephthah's righteousness because the book is not about, this book is not about men, it's about God. It's about what God can do and what God will do and what we're going to see is what God did do in and through the life of this man Jephthah. So as I came across this man, the thing that struck out to me was that he was a man of integrity. Now we're going to see, no doubt, we're going to see there were some problems in his life, but ultimately he was a man of of character, a man of integrity. When he gave his word, it meant something. That's what we're going to learn about this morning. So let's look. We're going to read here in chapter 11. I'm just going to read a little bit. I'm I'm going to read a lot, in fact. Okay. So if you have your Bible, let's follow along. Chapter 11 here in Judges. Verse 1, now Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty man of valor, but he was the son of a harlot, and, and Gilead begat Jephthah. Gilead's wife bore sons, and, with his, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob. And worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. It came to pass after a time that the people of Ammon uh, made war against Israel. And so it was when the people of Ammon made war with Israel that the elders of Gilead came up to Jephthah from the land of of Tob. Uh, Then they said to Jephthah, come and be our commander that we may fight against the people of Ammon. So Jephthah said to the elders of, of Gilead, Did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you are in distress? And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, That is why we have turned again to you now, that you may go with us and fight against the people of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, If you take me back home to fight against the people of Ammon and the Lord delivers them to me, Shall I be your head? Now listen, they've told him, you come back, you lead us. He says, well, are you really going to make me the leader? Are you going to put me over? Are you going to put me in charge? And they said, yes. He says, well, so let's say it again. It's kind of this, say it out loud. I want to hear from you that this is what you're going to do. So if I go and I lead you and we win, then you're going to make me your head. And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, the Lord will be a witness between us if we do not do according to your words. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and commander over them. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. Now Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the people of Ammon, saying, What do you have against me that you have come to fight against me in the land? And the king of the people of Ammon answered uh, the messengers of Jephthah, Because Israel took away my land when they came up out of Egypt from the Arnon as far as the Jabbok and to the the Jordan. Now therefore, restore these lands peaceably. So Jephthah again sent, sent messengers to the king of the people of Ammon. And he said, thus saith Jephthah, Israel did not take away the land of Moab nor the land of the people of Ammon. For when Israel came up from Egypt... 
They walked through the wilderness as far as the Red Sea and came to Kadesh. Then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Please let me pass through your land. But the king of Edom would not heed. And in like manner they sent to the king of Moab, but he would not consent. So Israel remained in Kadesh. And they went along through the wilderness and bypassed the land of Edom and the land of Moab, came to the east side of, land of, of the land of Moab and encamped on the other side of the Arnon. But they did not enter the border of Moab, for the Arnon was the border of Moab. Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, king of Heshbon, and Israel said to him, Please let us pass through your land into our place. But Sihon did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. So Sihon gathered all his people together, encamped in Jahaz, and fought against Israel. And the Lord God of Israel delivered Sihon and all his people into the hand of Israel, and they defeated them. Thus Israel gained possession of all the land of the Amorites who inhabited that country. They took possession of all the territory of the Amorites, from the Arnon to the Jabbok, and from the wilderness to the Jordan. And now the Lord God of Israel has dispossessed the Amorites from before his people Israel. Should you then possess it? He's making his case. He's making the case here that we didn't take the land. You want, come, you want to come get this land that wasn't your land. You didn't conquer the land. You did, we didn't take the land from you. We didn't take it from Ammon. We took it, we, we took it from these others here. And he's making the case of that. He's telling what happened. He said, now we've possessed it. Why is it you think you should have the land now? You come and you want you come and you bow up against us, you threaten us, and, and that you want to take this land. And he says, will you not possess what uh, Shemash, your God, gives you to possess? I love that. He says, now won't you guys have what your God gives you? Our God gave us this land. Our God gave us this land. This is our land. We possess this land. He, but he says, will not you possess whatever Shemash, your God, gives you to possess? So whatever the Lord our God takes possession of before us, we will possess. And now, are you any better than Balak, the, the son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever strive against Israel? Did he ever fight against them? While Israel dwelt in Heshbon and its villages um, in Aroer and its villages and, and in all the cities along the bank of, bank of the Arnon for 300 years... Why did you not recover them within that time? Therefore, I have not sinned against you, but you wronged me by fighting against me. May the Lord the judge render judgment this day between the children of Israel and the children of Ammon. However, the king of the people of Ammon did not heed the words of Jephthah that Jephthah sent him. So Jephthah has defended the case. He said, why are you coming against us? And, and you get this, it's just set up for a battle. There's a battle going to go on here. And, and, and he, what you find with Jephthah here, they brought him back. But Jephthah's no fool. He's obviously a leader of men. They've gone to pursue him. They've gone to bring him back to lead them in this battle. He is a, he is a man's man. He is a, a leader. And, and we see here also, he's no dummy. He has an understanding of the history of his people. He has an understanding of the history of that land. And he is stating that case and he's leading right here. And so we, we come to this place and uh, let's look at what Jephthah does next. Then the spirit of the Lord. Now, up until that point, we haven't seen anything. God has been silent. We don't hear that God has come upon him. God has told him to do this. God told them to do that. We don't know. God is silent in that. So we don't know. Up until this point, we don't know where God stands with Jephthah. 
What, what is the deal here? But we come to verse 29, and look what happens. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. We're told right here in the Word of God that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. We see that all through the, the, the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit of God would come upon someone and work in them, work through them, and then the Holy Spirit would leave. And it wasn't like, you're, 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 you know, it wasn't a situation of the Holy Spirit came on so you're saved and the Holy Spirit left and you're lost. No, it was th- these are people who were following God, but the Holy Spirit came upon them for a specific purpose. Different from today. The Holy Spirit of God at salvation comes in and indwells us and the Holy Spirit of God is there always. We have the Holy Spirit of God all the time living in our lives. And so um, the, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh and passed through Mizpah of, of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead, he advanced toward the people of Ammon. Now here's what he's doing. He, here's what Jephthah's doing. The Holy Spirit of God has come upon him. So, but he doesn't, apparently he doesn't realize this. I don't, I don't know how that could be, but it doesn't seem like he realizes it. But you see in his actions as he's making his way, what he's doing is he's a leader of men. He's stating the case. He's going through these towns. He's building an army to go and fight. That's what he's doing. And so here we come to the, the, the verse 30. And, and look at what he does. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. And said, if you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon shall be the Lord's. And I will offer up as a burnt offer. I will offer it up as a burnt offering. So it makes you wonder as you read this. It makes me wonder, why would, it, why would Jephthah make such a promise? If he's leading God's people and believes that God's blessing is upon him and, and maybe, he, maybe he realized that the Spirit of the Lord had come on him. But it makes you wonder, why would he make such a vow? Why is he promising? I mean, it's almost like he's trying to negotiate with God to win some favor. It makes you wonder. So perhaps, here, here's, here's some thought. Maybe, maybe he didn't, maybe he had some trust issues. We'll go back to this in the first part of chapter 11, but we see nobody stood up for him. In the past, he was, he was kind of thrown out. He was abandoned, and nobody stood for him. Nobody defended him. Nobody took up for him. And so maybe, maybe he's, he's struggling with trust. Now, I can get ahead of myself right here, but some of us struggle with trusting God because of things from our past. Maybe because of, of what God had said back in chapter 10. If you went back to chapter 10, verse 13 and 14, God says, yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will deliver you no more. Go and cry out to the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in your time of distress. So maybe Jephthah understands what God had told them. Maybe maybe he understands their rebellion, their idolatry, their sin, and how God had judged them. And maybe at this point he's just thinking, you know, there's no way I can win if God's not on my side. He says, well, I'll make this deal with the Lord. I'll I'll tell him, I'll make this promise to him that if he does this for me, then I'll do that for you. How many of us have ever made promises? to God. Lord, if you'll do this, if you'll get me out of this financial problem, Lord, if you'll fix my marriage, Lord, if you'll fix this, if you'll fix my kids, if you'll you'll take care of that problem I got at work, Lord, whatever this is, if you'll do this, Lord, then I'll serve you. I'll be faithful. I'll do this. I'll do that. And, And the Lord takes care of it. And where are we with our promise? I would venture we've broken a lot of promises to the Lord. We've probably broken a lot of promises to other people. Maybe here, Jephthah, though, 
Maybe it was just a flippant remark like many of us have made. Maybe it's, it's kind of like, Lord, get me out of this, and I promise to fill in the blank. You fill in the blank there. Whatever the reason, he made a vow. He made a promise to God. And we're going to see that ultimately he kept his word with God. Look at verse 32. Come down now to thir- verse 32. So Jephthah advanced toward the people of Ammon and fought against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. I mean, it, we, I mean there's a great battle. Just, isn't, that, isn't that amazing with Scripture? Verse 32 captures a, a, the whole battle and everything. He goes, he advanced against them, he fought against them, and the Lord delivered them. In just a few words, we know that, that the children of Israel won that battle. Jephthah led them to a victory. God gave the victory. Verse 33, and he defeated them from uh, ROR, that's a hard word for me to say, ROR, uh, uh, as far as Meneth, 20, 20 cities, and to Abel, a Karamim, with a very great slaughter. Thus the people of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. There's victory. He made a promise. God fulfilled his part of it. God did what he asked him to do right here. And then we come to verse 34. Then Jephthah came to his house at Mizpah. There was his daughter coming out to meet him with timbrels and dancing, and she was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her that he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You are among those who trouble me, for I have given my word to the Lord, and I cannot go back on it. Now, what we're gonna what we're gonna see is I was as I was studying this out we we, we see that um, there are those who don't believe that uh, that Jephthah killed his daughter here and offered her as a burnt offering um, they, and they say this they say that that it, it would have been against the word of God and it would would not have it it would have been uh, no different than what the pagans were doing with offering human sacrifices to their false gods. So there are, there are those very conservative commentaries, commentators, very conservative people who, who look at this and they say that he did not, this wasn't a matter of then he took her out and he slayed her and burnt her as a burnt offering. Now that was the promise he made, but go back and look at verse 31 because this is the argument they would make. They would say in the, in the Hebrew language, the word there for and. Let's go to verse 31. Then it will be that whenever or whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. Now, in the Hebrew, the word and, the word is translated and in the Hebrew can also mean or. Okay, So if you read this, and you read it with the or there, and he says uh, that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's, or I will offer it up as a burnt offering. And that's, that's what he said. Either, either statement makes sense, okay? I'm not going to die on a sword here for, for what he did, but we're, we're, stay with me. So many conservative scholars believe he offered her to God in service to the tabernacle. And there are others that believe that he did offer her to God as a a blood sacrifice and a burnt offering. There are those that believe he literally killed his only daughter and burnt her as a a burnt offering. Um, Let me say this. Either way, it was an incredible sacrifice. 
If he, if he gives her to the temple, to serve in the temple, she'll never marry. She was committed to be a virgin for life. She would serve in the temple for life. He would never, she's his only child. He would never have any descendants from her. He's now not going to have the same relationship with her. She's going and serving in the temple. It's a whole different life. Either way, it is a great, great sacrifice. She was his only child, and, and again, he'd have no descendants. So there was a great cost personally to this man keeping his word in this promise. Now, he didn't hesitate, though. When we read that, when she, when she comes out the door, his heart is, it just sinks. You, can, you, you read it, that read it in color, right? When she comes out the door, he's thinking maybe the mutt's going to run out. Now, I'll offer him as a blood sacrifice. Uh, may, maybe it's one of the hired help and I, whatever he was thinking. But when his daughter came out, his only daughter, you know, and now here's what he could have done. Leviticus chapter 5, verse 4 through 6 says this. It's, it, it, he could have maybe claimed this to get out of this. So Leviticus four, 5, 4 through 6 says, Or if a person swears, speaking thoughtlessly with his lips to do evil or to do good, whatever it is that a man may pronounce by an oath, and he is unaware of it, when he realizes it, then he shall be guilty in any of these matters. And it shall be when he is guilty in any of these matters that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord for his sin which we, he has committed, a female from the flock, a lamb, or a kid of the goats as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for, his, for him concerning his sin." He could have easily claimed, hey, I, you know, I flippantly said that. I wasn't really thinking about what I said. It was just kind of, it was a heat of the moment kind of a statement. And he could excuse it away and, and, and go and make an offering to the Lord to cover the sin that he made in making that vow. Are you with me? He didn't do that. So people today would say, you know, this is what we would do if we tried to do that. You know, God doesn't expect you to keep that promise. You know, that was an unrealistic promise. I mean, you told God if he did this, you would do some... God doesn't really expect you to... That's what we would do. That's what we would counsel other people. We would tell them, oh, you know, God, God doesn't really expect that. Or we would say, you know, I wasn't really serious. It was just an expression. It didn't really mean anything. And we would excuse away something that we've promised. And I believe that God absolutely expects us to keep our promises. Amen? I think he does. I think when we open our mouth and we make a vow to the Lord, we make a promise to the Lord, I think he takes us serious at our word. So to keep our word to be men and women of great moral integrity, that's God's desire for us as children of God, to let our yes be yes and our no, no. So how many times have we made a promise to God in a time of distress and then not kept that promise? But, but Conrad, look, Pastor Conrad, you know... That's easy for Jephthah. I mean, he was back. He lived in, he's in the Bible. I mean, he lived back in the Bible times. I mean, it would have been easy for Jephthah to keep his promise to God. It was different then. It's not. It's not. And look, he didn't grow up like, uh, you, you, know, you know, me. That would be what we'd say. Well, he, he didn't grow up like me. He, he hasn't been through the things that I've been through. You know, it, it would have just, it just would have been easier for him to trust God in that situation. So what I want us to do is we're going to look at some points real quick, and, and, and we're almost done. Um, we're going to look at this man's life. First thing is this. Well, let's look at his heritage. Let's look at his heritage. 
So verse 1, going back to Hebrew, uh, uh, Judges 11, verse 1, says, Now, now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, but he was the son of a harlot, and Gilead, his father, begot Jephthah. So Jephthah was the child of adultery. He was a child of fornication. He was a, a child of sexual sin. And his father was an adulterer. And his mother was a prostitute. Wow, not a great heritage that Jephthah's coming from right there. Uh, but let me tell you this. It doesn't matter who your parents are or the circumstances of your birth. God knows all that and he'll still save you and he'll still use you. Amen? Amen. That is his desire. That is his plan. That is what he has done because he knows everything about you. You are not defined by your parents. We are so today, boy, we are just in our world today, it is all caught up in the color of your skin, the, your, your family heritage, where did you come from, and all this junk that's going on today. Folks, don't get caught up in that nonsense. Okay? I'm, 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 not, I'm not held to, by God, what my parents did. I'm not held to, he doesn't judge me by them. So who you are, your integrity has nothing to do with who your mother and your father were. Our earthly heritage does not define us. Our relationship with Christ does. Amen. So when we come into that walk with God, we come into that relationship with the Lord, none of that other stuff matters. I am, I am His child. Man, if I'm going to look back on a heritage, I'm going to look on that one. Second thing, let's look at His history. So verse 2, Gilead's wife... Now, Jephthah's father, Gilead, his, his wife bore sons. And when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him. Now, that, that drove out, that, that doesn't sound real friendly, does it? Like, Jephthah, would you, mind, you know, would you mind getting an apartment somewhere else? No, I think they packed his stuff and threw it out. Um, they, they pushed him out. They forced him. They drove him out. That's a forceful word. They drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Now, Jephthah was rejected by his family. He was run off from his people. No one stood up for him. No one supported or helped him. It doesn't appear that even his father stood up in this situation and, and defended him. Now, many of you, if we went around the room, some of you go, That sounds like my family. That sounds like us. That sounds like what, what happened to me. Or maybe you're on the other side of that and maybe you pushed someone else out of the family and forced them out. Whatever. Look, we've got to understand what he went through. And see, God used Jephthah's past to prepare Jephthah for what he was going to do in his life. All of this. None of it caught God off. Oh, man, they just threw Jephthah out. I don't, I don't know. What, what do you think? What do we do now? Uh, God's never caught off guard, folks. He, he knew what was going to happen, and God uses that. He knows what you've been through and, and, and where you've come from, and He knows your story. And He uses every experience in your life to make you who He wants you to be. Right. I've shared with you time, too, and probably y'all tired of hearing it. But I would not change the things in my life that happened to me. I wouldn't change those because I can see how God used those things in my life to make me who I am today. Now, 
Y'all may think, boy, didn't do a whole lot of good. But you wouldn't have, may not have liked who I was if I had not gone through those things. I think about how God humbled me as just a kid and prepared me. And I don't know, maybe I would have been so proud and so arrogant that I would have rejected Christ. Maybe I would have never come to faith in the Lord. But I was humbled and I was broken. And when the gospel was preached to me, the Holy Spirit of God called my heart and I, and I came to the Lord in faith. And the Lord has taken those things from my childhood and my youth and all that. And through the years, he has just continued to use that to mold and make and shape me into who I am today. And I don't know who I would be if it were not for those things. So we, we look at this thing and we go, man, Jephthah had a, he had a, that was a rough history there. His family did him well. But God knew what was going on and he uses that. And God knows everything that's ever happened in your life. And he will use it if, if you'll just let him. He knows these things. He knows your story and he wants to use those things. So who you are and your integrity has nothing to do with what you've been through. No matter how bad others have treated you, you can still do right. So turn your hurts over to the Lord. Forgive those who've hurt you and let God do in and through you what he wants to do in and through you. Stop fighting him. Let him do the work that he's desiring to do in your heart. Because it's a whole lot easier if you just say, yes, Lord, because he ain't going to stop. Because of him, you can be a person of great integrity, a person of your word. The third thing here is we're going to look at his circumstances. And I might even put slash his failures right here. Verse 3, Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob and worthless men. If you look in that, that the, as I was studying, that was referenced that worthless men. It went back and it referenced the men who ended up banding together with David. When David went on the run, these worthless men who banded together with David and became David's mighty men. So kind of maybe the same thought here. We're not sure, but these worthless men banded together with Jephthah and they went out raiding with him. So, so Jephthah, he, you know, he's hanging out. He's looking for something to do. He's out of work. His family's done him wrong. He's probably a little mad, a little you know, upset at this point. And he gets in with the wrong crowd or he attracts the wrong crowd, however you want to read that. And he went in the wrong direction and, and he's doing the wrong things. You know, Jephthah, if you, if you, if you, I'm sure if you asked him later in life, he would say, boy, I sure wish I could undo that period in my life right there. I undo those things I was doing. Um, he knew that uh, God knew that he had another plan for Jephthah. It wasn't for him to stay out and do that. God had a plan for him. He had a, a better plan. And so it doesn't matter what your situation in life is. No matter what you have done, let me say it again, it doesn't matter what you have done, there is forgiveness. Amen. There is forgiveness. It doesn't matter what you're doing, there is forgiveness. But, but it requires us you know, to come back to God. It requires us to turn from our sin, to repent. And if we'll confess our sin, then God, he, will, he wants to, and He will restore your fellowship with Him. And He'll use you greatly. Hear that again. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're doing. What matters is right now you're hearing God has a better plan. Come to Him. 
Confess that sin. He'll forgive that sin. He'll bring you back into right relationship and right fellowship, and he can use you mightily. Don't sit here today and go, preacher, you don't know what I'm doing. God won't forgive that. Well, that's just your pride speaking because I'm so great. My sin's so awesome. God can't forgive my sin. Hey, nothing but pride, people. Get over yourself. That's what got you in the mess to start with. Quit listening to you. Start listening to God. Turn back to Him. Turn back to Him. Repent and be restored. Fourth thing is we see His position. And it's interesting because he's now, when we read through the story and they come and they ask him to be their leader and he is the leader and he wins. So he's now, he's leading this. He's, he's the head man. He's in a position of great power here. And, and so uh, he's the leader of the army. He's the leader of the country. He's leading them. And so he's got this great power, yet he doesn't try to get out of this situation because of his position. Now that's so foreign to our thinking today. Isn't it? You know, the politicians can do anything they want to do. And because of their position, they can get away with it. And they do. (sighs) Don't get started. Just because I got power, then I can be exempt from the penalties and I won't have to hold through to that. Look, his, his integrity held firm right here. He knew God, he knew what God had done and he knew God had done his part. He said, Lord, if you'll, you'll help us win this battle, here's the promise I make. The Lord helped him win the battle and Jephthah keeps his word. And then the fifth thing here, let's look at the cost. Verse 39 And it was so at the end of two months that she returned to her father and he carried out his vow with uh, with her, which he had uh, vowed. Uh, She knew no man. And it became a custom in Israel that the daughter of Israel went four days each year to lament the daughter of Jephthah, uh, the Gileadite. Now, if if you're going to ask me, because somebody's probably going to come up and say, well, preacher, what do you think he did? I, I I I think she went and served. I think she served in the temple. I don't think he killed her. I don't think he offered her as a burnt offering. And I don't think that in any way contradicts the word of God. He, he kept a vow there. And listen, it cost him his daughter. It cost him descendants. And yet Jephthah didn't go back on his word. His word was his bond. His word meant something. His word was gold. And, and I'll say this too. When, look at verse 36. Uh, yeah, look at verse 36. He, he did something else right here too. Because look at how he had raised his daughter and look at her response. And she, so she said to him, My father, if you have given your word to the Lord, do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth, because the Lord has avenged you uh, of our enemies, the people of Ammon. Boy, there's some maturity there. She may not even know what promise he's made and what it's going to cost her. And yet she says she has integrity. Says, Father, if you've made a promise to the Lord, you keep that promise to the Lord. Whatever it is you promised with me, you keep that. That's an incredible thing. Pastor Aaron, you and your team can go ahead and make your way forward. So as we begin to wrap this up, um, you know, I know I've broken promises, even promises to God. And, and, and there's great regret with that. Now, I do remember one promise I made. And, uh, and, and, I, and I kept it. I kept a promise. 
Um, now, I can't, you know, we can't always put a value on our word. You know, what's your word worth? What's your word worth? I'll tell you what mine's worth. I'll tell you what mine's worth. Mine, my word's worth at least $25,000. And y'all think, boy, preacher, you're pretty, pretty confident in that. That's a pretty arrogant statement. It's not, and I'll tell you why. And I don't say any of this, hear me, I don't say any of this in pride. I say this because the Lord gave me conviction about something. So when we were leaving Georgia to go to, to Indiana, and we had our home in Georgia, and we were trying to sell it, and, and the market was, we were struggling to get the house sold. It was just, there was, it was in the downturn uh, in the end of 08, start of 09, and we thought, man, it's going to be hard to get rid of this house. I didn't know what we were going to do. And, um, and so I'm trying to get it sold, and I had some friends who had come into a really bad situation, and they're like, hey, we need a place to stay. Could we rent your house? And I'm like, I don't want to rent my house. I want to sell my house. I don't want to have this hanging over our head with us in Indiana and a house here in Georgia. We want to sell our house. And so we, we, we kept talking about it, and, and I told them, I said, well, listen, here's what we'll do. Here's the date. At this date, if the house has not sold, if we don't have a contract on the house, we'll let you rent it. And we'll go a year at a time. You can rent the house, and I give you my word that, that we'll do that. So we come up to the date. Is Gina ain't in here. Like I'm going to lie to you, okay? But I have her. Let me, I'm going to tell you the truth right here, okay? Y'all can verify this with Gina. We come up to the day that I had told them that they could move in. And so they began moving in. Well, they've given me the deposit. We've got a, a, a one-year contract on the house or to, for them to rent it. And, um, and uh, the next day, I get an offer. It's 25000 over what we paid for the house. Now, my friends might have gotten mad. They might have really gotten mad. And they were in a, tough, they were in a truly tough situation. But I think they would have forgiven and they would have... But you know what I said? I gave my word. I gave my word. And I told the realtor, I said, I can't, I can't accept the offer. And we waited. Let me amend that. It cost us, us $30,000. Because a year later, we sold the house for uh, $5,000 less than what we paid for it. A year later. I've never gotten up in the morning and looked in the mirror and said, boy, what a dummy. I've never lost a moment of sleep on any one night because I'm going to tell you what, my word is worth more than some money. It is. I've never regretted that. Our word. What is your word worth? What does it mean to say something? Jephthah kept his word at great cost, great personal cost. What's your word worth? When you make a promise, would those closest to you, those who know you best, would they take it to the bank? God looks at this thing of vows and promises very seriously. And we should as well. And our yes should be yes. And our no should be no. God keeps his promises. Amen? Amen. The Lord says, he, 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 he said, you know, he promises that if we will repent, we'll confess our sin, we'll call on his name through faith, he promises, thou shalt be saved. When we come by faith, he through grace, his grace saves us. 
It's a promise of God. He promises to give us, uh, to forgive us when we confess our sin. He restores our fellowship with Him. And He's promised He'll never leave us and never forsake us. God keeps His promises. This morning, I just challenge us to think about how are we using our mouth? What are the promises we've made to God? Maybe there's a promise you've made in the past. Lord, if, if you'll take care of this, I'll tithe faithfully. Lord, if you'll do this, I'll serve you faithfully. Lord, if you'll do this, I'll, be, I'll attend that church faithfully. I'll be, I'll be a part of that. Lord, I'll do those things. God keeps His Word. So what is it in your life that you've promised? Maybe this morning, I just say this, maybe there's, this morning there needs to be some confession. Maybe some talking to the Lord about things we haven't, we haven't been a person of integrity. But maybe it's just a time to drive a stake in the ground and say, Lord, I want to be that person of integrity. I want to be that person that when I open my mouth, people believe me. My son, Jesse back there, Jesse got real mad at me one time. I mean, tearfully mad at me, hurt mad at me because I didn't believe him. Jesse was, and I, I think still is, I think, no, I know he is. Jesse's a, a young man of great integrity. And if Jesse tells you something, you can take it to the bank. And, and he was always that way. And he's telling me something, and I'm going, that can't be. And I didn't believe him, and it hurt him. Jesse, I'm sorry for that. with God so I don't know what God's doing in your heart this morning I don't have any direction there but God knows what he's doing he knows what he wants to do in your heart I pray this morning Lord Lord as we come to this time of, of response and invitation you know our hearts you know if our mouths make promises that are, we're not keeping Maybe this morning is the time to nail this down, this area of our mouth and, and our word being our bond. Maybe today is a great day just to make that commitment to you, Lord. Maybe it's a day we need to confess something. Maybe it's a day we need to forgive someone who's made a promise to us and they've hurt us. We've been disappointed. Maybe today we've, we've been harboring that unforgiveness or that resentment for a situation that we need to forgive them. Lord, whatever it is, I just have to believe, God, you wanted this preach this morning because, Lord, you wouldn't give me peace with the other message. Last night, you put this on my heart. Lord, I believe that this is for someone. I believe it's for all of us. But, Lord, there's someone here today needed to hear this. Lord, help us to be men and women of integrity. Bless now in this time of invitation. Move and do what only you can do. In Christ's name we pray. Stand with us.